0: is just an editor's note but we recorded this episode several months ago obviously the world went into complete crisis and it was just hard to manage everything but
1: it still I think is a good episode so I thought you guys would like it hello everybody and welcome back to the 13 club podcast my name is Miranda and my name is Kim and we are here we're here we're back we're back with yeah. special guests uh,
0: we had a lot a lot, a lot of life situations going on and we don't get paid to do this, so we take breaks sometimes and that's okay.
1: Yeah, I, I do wish we'd uh, been a little bit made a little bit more of an announcement about it, but you know, sometimes things happen that way. Yeah, it's just life. I, so I, we, I, have, yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> we have two very special guests on this um, husband zode. Husband Zode. Of-
1: Of the 13 Club. My husband Justin is here. Hi. Some of you guys might remember Justin. Justin was on one of our old school episodes. He was a long time ago. Yes.
2: Yeah, I I talked about stuff.
1: Yeah, you did. And then I I have my husband. This is Charles. Hello. (laughs) And that's it. Goodbye, everyone. I've never (laughs) been
3: on this, so you wouldn't remember me.
0: <laughs> but you might know him like from social media stuff. It's possible. um Yeah.
3: If you've ever so, seen a shit post before, that was that, probably that may have been you. All of yeah. them are me.
0: Every shit post ever made attributed to this man. He's had a hand in them. Quite a few. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> I am aware. um Who wants to go first? Maybe Justin should go
2: first. You want me to go first? Yeah. My topic is. My topic's the oldest since I got it together for a Halloween episode that uh it didn't happen. So
0: Yeah, that's my fault. I just didn't feel like doing it, so we didn't do it. <laughs> I'll be honest with you.
3: We kinda missed Halloween, so we can it's still Halloween.
2: Yeah, we were all a little bit occupied.
1: Yeah. yeah, because these two had to go and get married. Guilty. Uh Charles and I are solely responsible for why you guys didn't get a Halloween episode. Yes, but
0: it was awesome and it was worth it. <laughs> I would say, probably.
1: I mean, so far I don't have any (laughs) records.
2: So, uh, when I was looking at random topics for what was going to be the Halloween episode, um, I was trying to find things that were either current or Halloween-themed or relevant to me, which resulted in a lot of weird Google searches. (laughs) Um, I don't remember what the combination was, but I got to... uh, Halloween murder mystery, who killed the man in the hockey costume?
0: Ooh. You knew he was gonna come on here and make it about hockey. You knew he would. This is a uniquely
1: Justin-centric topic.
2: Yeah, it's it's murder, Halloween, and hockey.
1: Perfect. (laughs)
2: Um, But this was a man, uh, Joel Loveling, who was assaulted in a bar parking lot in Grand Forks, North Dakota, October 27, 2007. Um, And the man who wrote the article that I found about this for for NBC News, um, this must have been his favorite assignment ever. Because he starts out the article, a cowboy, a clown, a lion, and a hockey fan walk into a bar. Sounds like the opening of a joke, but the punchline isn't funny. The hockey fan winds up dead in the parking lot outside the bar and his killer fades away into the night. Um, so basically what happened was this guy, Joel Loveling and his fiance, Heather Eastling and, um, like 40 or 50 other people had rented a party bus to go on a Halloween, like bar crawl in Grand Forks. Yeah. I don't know anything about North Dakota. I've never been to North Dakota. Um, but this article taught me that there are only 53,000 people in North Dakota, but there are more bars per capita than any other state in the entire country. Um, Wait,
1: only fifty three thousand people? Yeah, fifty three thousand people
2: in all of North Dakota.
1: Damn, I did. I would not. I mean, that seems crazy.
2: That those like, mid, I don't. know, It's not Midwestern, but the those states there in the middle to the central west, central states. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> um, there aren't many people there, uh, like Wyoming, North Dakota, South Dakota. Not a lot. I guess
1: of them. I just underestimated it. Yeah, there.
2: There's. There are not a lot of people there. Um but yeah so like 40 or 50 people on this party bus going on a bar crawl um the riders included a cowboy, a hunter, a lion, a gangster and a faux paris hilton um this is 2007 that was relevant
1: I was going to say Yeah
2: um Joel <laughs> was dressed in the bright green jersey of his favorite hockey team, the University of North Dakota's Fighting Sioux. Um his fiance was dressed as a mechanic they were hanging out at this bar um, and as they're loading up to get on the, get on their way to the next bar uh, Joel says hey somebody got left I'm gonna go check on him and he left the bus went back into the bar then some next person gets on the bus shouting call 911 uh, they run outside and Joel is laying there on the ground with blood all over the concrete um, and unresponsive Um, so when the police show up they're trying to take inventory of the scene uh, and what's happened and what people have seen they got descriptions of a clown a cowboy a gangster a construction worker uh, and then they all spread out across the city of Grand Forks trying to find these people Um, and police chief John Packett said if you're gonna find the penguin and the joker and the rest of them you gotta find them pretty quick (laughs) Um, eventually they settled on the clown and he was sitting outside crying and shaking and again this this writer just had a time with this the tears of the clown made police suspicious (laughs) Um, the clown told police he was crying because he had a fight with his girlfriend Uh, but when they pulled him into the station he lawyered up they also found the cowboy but he lied to them and gave him a fake name and a fake birthday and tried to fight him off they didn't arrest him. Eventually, was let him go. Um, the cowboy apparently did ask an interesting question. He wanted to know if the victim was wearing a green shirt with the initials UND on it, which is University of North Dakota team. Um, so they think the cowboy may have seen what had happened, um, and they asked all the witnesses to come in. Um, what they said was that. Uh, Two people from the bus got into a fight outside the bar. One was the hunter, and the other was the lion. The lion was apparently just a, like, yellow hoodie with fringe. Um. Hmm. After the fight, they told the lion he wasn't allowed to get back on the bus. Uh. And then they saw the lion speaking to a guy in a green hockey jersey. That's what the the witnesses had seen. Um couple days later a guy Travis Stay walked into police headquarters he'd heard that they were looking for a man in a yellow hoodie who'd been at the bar that Saturday um, he told them that a man dressed as a hunter had punched him in the face in the parking lot um, he told them that he was the lion and he'd thrown the costume in the trash they wanted to know why he threw the costume in the trash and he said it was because the costume was full of blood um, which is a little suspicious for a man who was beaten to death in the parking lot
0: yeah, just a little. <laughs> uh,
2: and he just says that he was innocent and that he, the only thing he could remember was that he didn't have anything to do with it. Um, they found the hoodie, they tested the blood, and some of it was Joel Loveling's blood. Uh, nobody had seen him actually attack Loveling, um, but They did see him in the fight with the hunter. Um, but someone said that they may have seen him throw a punch. Um, with the DNA evidence, he was arrested, charged with murder. Um, they offered him a 10 year sentence for a guilty plea. Uh, he immediately said no. Um, ultimately what came about with stays con- not, not confession, but turning himself in and getting charged and everything. Um, he eventually got off and the only thing that he would maintain was that he was not guilty and that the only friend he had in the parking lot that night was the guy in the green hockey sweater Um, and he thinks that the person that beat him up is the person that also beat Joel Loveland to death but he didn't know who it was and he couldn't remember Um, he was found not guilty he was acquitted Um, He. Studied law then as a result because he was just like, Wow, if it wasn't for lawyers, I would be in jail right now. Uh, <laughs> so he's a lawyer now, but unfortunately, nobody knows to this day who killed the man in the green hockey sweater.
1: Hmm.
2: But I just thought it was interesting, especially with like the police chief. I mean, nobody could take this thing seriously as they're reporting on it back in 2007 with the police chiefs. You know, if you're going to catch the Joker and the Penguin and all that, you better do it fast.
1: It's, like, kind of sad in a way, because, I mean, that person deserves to have their, like, death taken seriously, you know? But, like, it is at the same time, it's very difficult to not be, like, well, the lion and the tin man and the scarecrow, well, like... Yeah. I yeah. kind of get it, like...
3: It says that if I'm going to commit a crime, I should dress up everyone I know in a bunch of dumb fucking costumes, and then they won't take us seriously.
0: Yeah, but it has yeah. to be on Halloween where everyone else is dressed up in dumb costumes. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Oh my gosh, not to change the subject, but this is kind of related. And just as an aside, did we ever tell you guys in about a couple of years ago, we were driving back from a convention, I think it was KatsuCon or MAGFest, and it was super late at night and we went down whatever highway that is that leads to the Gaylord, and a speed camera caught us speeding, and they like flagged Charles's tag, and he got a letter in the mail that was like, you've been speeding, and they had the like cameras. But the cameras caught us in costume and he argued that you couldn't prove that it was him driving that car because uh, he was in Joker makeup and I was in Harley makeup and he argued with them so much they finally gave up and we didn't have to pay the ticket. Wow. Nice. Wow. <laughs> I don't know if you want me <laughs> to, to keep that in, in the podcast. <laughs> I don't, I would look, I'm not saying you should, I'm just saying you, you committing crimes is an option. Yeah, well, I mean, <laughs> you,
2: uh, it goes all the way up to murder. You're still fine.
0: yeah I think that's really interesting and I was actually like kind of creeping on your article here as you were looking through it and by the way this article is from NBC News and it's written by Tracy Jarrett and I will link it in the blog post um but I was reading the part where they were talking about the surveillance cameras where is that part um Uh, The prosecution said the party bus had already left when Lovelien was attacked and he and Stay were alone together in the parking lot. Surveillance tape from the broken drum, however, suggested other possibilities. On the tape, three and a half minutes after Lovelien leaves the bar for the last time, the man in the clown costume can be seen exiting the bar. That would mean that the party bus hadn't departed yet because everyone agreed that the clown left the broken drum on the bus. But if the bus was still outside, Lovelien, Stay, and some of the other costume partiers from the bus could have been together. In the parking lot for at least three and a half minutes.
1: Hmm. So that's a discrepancy. It's interesting.
2: And all of the other people yeah. that the police talked to, they said were not suspects.
1: Yeah. Except for the clown and the lion? Or are they including
2: I think they talked to the clown and
1: And he was just like, Oh, I had a fight with my girlfriend. Right? He
2: was what did the clown what did the clown say? What did the say? clown
0: say? Um, there was a part where he was crying, right, on the bench. Oh yeah, he
2: was he was crying outside. Um, the tears of the, of the clown line. Yeah. Um.
0: <laughs> the cl- the clown, a twenty two year old farmer, told police he was crying because he'd had a fight. His yeah, uncle. you're right. Yeah. I think it's funny that I was just like, What are you talking about, Miranda? But you had just read that. I think
3: that's that's a new stereotype that I really think we should do more with. The sensitive clown farmer. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> With love troubles. Um, yeah, I know all about that. He's
3: got a he's got a big heart <laughs> and bigger shoes.
2: <laughs> and when you're on your your seventh bar of a 34 bar bar crawl or whatever, I don't know. When they say it's the most bars per capita, I, I assume they're they're going to like hundred bars. In one Can
0: product. you imagine though, if like you would just went out to have a good time, okay, and you're like shit hammered, and you're just like, yeah, this is rad, and then like somebody just gets murdered. And then you're like, uh oh, now I have to be talking to the police.
3: Time to sober up. That's what happened. Yeah.
2: To, that's what happened to the lion, right? That's what happened to Stay, where he like he got into a fight with somebody, didn't really remember what had happened, just knew that that Joel Loveling had come to help him.
0: Yeah. W- mm-hmm. With this
2: fight, and then he like kind of comes to his senses and oh, that guy's dead.
0: Yeah.
2: I don't
0: um, know. Good lord. And he's never going to know the truth.
2: That's no. Yeah. So no, funny. I don't see at this point. Um, if you got away with a Halloween murder 13 years ago, you're probably getting away with it forever. Yeah.
0: yeah. Unfortunately. What do you
3: think that person's up to now? Every Halloween, they're like, 12 years ago, 13 years ago, I
2: killed him. Maybe he does one every really year. Hates Halloween. Or, yeah. In a different if, state. That's true, too.
1: What if they don't remember it? Yeah, that's Like, true. what if they were also so shit hammered that they, like, went into a weird drunk rage and beat the shit out of somebody and walked away thinking, I just knocked that guy out. Boy, my, top, not my topic has everything to do with what you just said. Uh-oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, maybe that's a good transition. Maybe that's a good no, transition. No, I think you should go. <laughs> Mine is thematically not the same. That's okay. Break it up. Uh, well, so I, I kind of also prepared this, our, this post-mortem topic um. At the time that we were thinking we might, you know, pre-record and have something ready for Halloween, um, but I was uh, in the middle of being a stress ball about getting married, so um, usually I do kind of like—I don't know—I I over-research, for lack of a better word. Um, but I found a, an article that's a little bit different, but kind of fits thematically with the thing. This is an article from the Guardian that is titled "They called her a crazy witch." Did medium Hilma of Klint invent abstract art? Um, and my little spoiler alert to you is that, uh, yeah, I would say that she did. Oh. Um, so I'm going to read this article to you. And I actually, I did supplement it a little bit with some, like, art discussion for, like, context. Um, this article was written by Stuart Jeffries. Uh, came out in October. Uh, but there, I guess, it kind of came out in tandem with a documentary about Hilma Auckland, uh from around the same time, uh, which I have not seen, but I would think that if you found this interesting and you wanted to learn more about her, like that would maybe be the way to go. So, without further ado... <clears throat> uh, in 1971, the art critic Linda Nochlin wrote an essay called Why Have There Been No Great Women Artists? The question may be based on a false premise. There have been, we just didn't get to see their work. The visionary Swedish artist Hilma Klint exemplifies this clearly, argues Helena Drischke, the German filmmaker whose beautiful film Beyond the Visible about the painter's astonishing work is released on Friday, or Friday of when this article was written. When I ask her why Afklint has been largely ignored since her death in 1944, Drischke tells me over a video link from Berlin. It's easier to make a woman into a crazy witch than change art history to accommodate her. We still see a woman who is spiritual as a witch, while we celebrate spiritual male artists as geniuses. When Drishka first saw Hilma Offklandt's paintings seven years ago, they spoke to me more profoundly than any art I've ever seen. She was beguiled by the grids and intersecting circles, schematic flower forms, painted numbers, looping lines, pyramids, and sunbursts. It felt like a personal insult that those paintings had been hidden from me for so long, she said. Afklint had three strikes against her. She was a woman, she had no contacts in the art world, and worst of all, she was a medium who believed her art flowed through her unmediated by ego. She worked for many years in quiet obscurity on a Swedish island where she cared for her mother as the latter went blind. Today her work is being appreciated, but not bought up, by collectors because it is held by her descendants. As Ulla Afklint, widow of the nephew who inherited the artist's work, says in the film, you can't make money out of Hilma. Afklint's mysticism hobbled her reputation long after her death. In the 1970s, her grandnephew, Johan Afklint, offered the paintings to Sweden's leading modern art museum, the Moderna Musite. The then-director turned them down. When he heard that she was a medium, there was no discussion. He didn't even look at the pictures. Only in 2013 did the museum redeem itself with a retrospective. For some, it's very provocative when someone says, I did this physically, but it's not by me. I was in contact with energies greater than me, says Iris Mueller-Westerman, who curated the, that show. But, she adds, Kandinsky, Mondrian, and Malavac were all influenced by contemporary spiritual movements, such as theos- the- 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 I can never say this word. Theosophy and anthroposophy... Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying. <laughs> uh, as they sought to transcend the physical world and the constraints of representational art. Um, And here's where I jump in a little bit for folks who aren't into art history. uh, I did a little bit of googling about the artists that she just mentioned for like the teeniest bit of context. Um, Wassily Kandiski was a Russian painter and art theorist. He was, he's generally credited as the pioneer of abstract art. Uh, He taught at the Bauhaus School of Art and Architecture in Germany until it was closed by the Nazis and he lived the rest of his life in France. He produced work with a quote, spiritual outlook and wrote about the artist as prophet. That was his like focus. Uh, Piet Mondrian was a Dutch painter and theoretician who is regarded as one of the greatest artists of the 20th century. Um, He's also kind of like a pioneer of abstract art and he used like simple geometric elements and he was concerned with a search for universal values and aesthetics with his pieces. Um, He's quoted as saying, art is higher than reality and has no direct relation to reality to approach the spiritual in art, one will make as little use as possible of reality because reality is opposed to the spiritual." And then there's uh, Kazimir Malevich, who was a Russian avant-garde artist and theorist who influenced abstract art. Um, He created a movement that I hadn't heard of before, but called Suprematism, which is a form of expression that moved as far as possible from the world of natural forms and subject matter in order to access the supremacy of pure feeling and spirituality.
2: I thought it was going to be about uh, that supreme clothing brand.
1: (laughs) Oh my god. That's why the Oreo was was so
0: expensive.
2: Paint it on a brick. (laughs) (laughs) uh,
1: While we're sitting here in Miranda's art history corner, um, theosophy and anthroposophy, the the definitions of those briefly. Um, Theosophy is a religious philosophy Um, It was an occult movement originating in the 19th century with roots that can be traced to ancient Gnosticism and Neoplatonism, the last school of Greek thought. Uh, The term is derived from the Greek Theos and Sophia, which is God and wisdom, and it's generally understood to mean divine wisdom. Um, There's an emphasis on mystical experience and a belief that, like, like, spiritual reality and direct contact with reality can be established through intuition, meditation, revelation, or like other states that transcend normal human consciousness. Um, the other one that starts with an A that I stumble on every time, it's a human-oriented spiritual philosophy that reflects and speaks to the basic deep spiritual questions of humanity, to our basic artistic needs and the need to relate to the world out of a scientific attitude of mind, and to the need to develop a relation to the world in complete freedom based on like completely individual judgments and decisions. And even that can be kind of broken down into four sub-aspects that I won't get into. These are these are li- really brief, super broad, mm. basic definitions mm. of those two concepts, um, as well as very, very, very abbreviated histories of the artists I mentioned before. So definitely feel free to dig into them a bit, but for the purposes of the discussion we're having here, I think it gives us a, a sense of context for men who were allowed to be spiritual and explore the spiritual in their art and were really like praised for it as opposed to this woman who was doing kind of the same thing um but people like basically took a shit all over her um getting back to the original article where i was at before um it continues it's striking that many female artists have been mediums but unlike, say, the late British pianist and dinner lady Rosemary Brown, who claimed to have transcribed new works from the beyond by Rachmaninoff, Beethoven, and Liszt, Hilma of Clint was directed not to transcribe new works by dead artists, but by forces from a higher realm. In one notebook she described how she was inspired, Quote, I registered their magnitude within me. Above the easel I saw the Jupiter symbol which shone brightly and persisted for several seconds, Brightly. I started the work immediately proceeding in such a way that the pictures were painted directly through me with great power." When she died, Off Clint left more than 1,300 works, which had only been seen by a handful of people. She also left 125 notebooks, in one of which she stipulated that her work should not be publicly displayed until 20 years after her death. The higher ones she was in contact with through seances told Off Clint that the world was not yet ready for her works, and maybe they had a point. In 1944, the three great pioneers of abstract art died, uh, Wassily Kandinsky, Piet Mondrian, and Afklint. Kandinsky claimed to have created the first abstract painting in 1911, and when in 2012, New York's Museum of Modern Art staged their show Inventing Abstraction, 1910 to 1925, Afklint was not even included as a footnote. And yet, as Frankfurter Allemagne Zwietang art critic Julia Voss argues in the film, The Swedish artist had the jump on Kandinsky by five years in producing the first abstract painting in 1906. For her film, Drishka contracted the MoMA to find out why Afklint had been erased from art history and was told, they weren't so sure Hilma Afklint's art worked as abstract art. After all, she hadn't exhibited in her lifetime, so how could one tell? Which is so frustrating. It's like when you see people complaining about job listings that require five, plus years of experience in a software program that only existed for like two years, like oh, how can we know if you're qualified to enter the art classification if you haven't already been classified? Right. Yeah. It's just stupid. Uh, In the film, Drishka tries to answer that question by juxtaposing paintings by Alf Klint with those of famous 20th century male artists. Her golden square from 1916 is placed alongside a similar image by Josef Albers from 1971. Her automatic writing doodles, from 1896, are pitted against Cy Twombly's 1967 squiggles. They make the rhetorical point strongly. Whatever the men were doing, Clint had probably done it first. Hilma Afklint was born in Stockholm in 1862. Thanks to the family fortune, she was able to study at the Royal Academy in Stockholm from which she graduated in 1887. She went on to support herself by painting landscapes and portraits as well as very beautiful botanical works. She joined the Theosophical Society in 1889, and in 1896, established a group of female artists called the Five, who each Friday met to pray, make automatic writing, and attempt to communicate with other worlds through seances. Diosophus believed that all forms of life are part of the same cosmic whole. It was a women's liberation philosophy, argues Voss. It said, sure, you can be priestesses. But Offclint was not just a conduit for occult spirits, she was also attuned to the scientific developments of the day. As Drishka argues in her film, the years in which the artist was creatively active was a time in which science was discovering worlds beyond the visible, including subatomic particles and electromagnetic radiation. Ofklint's art involved making the invisible visible, be it that which science disclosed or that which the higher powers commissioned her to depict, but on this Friday meeting she encountered supernatural beings beyond science's remit. The five claimed to receive messages from other worlds. Ofklint recorded one message in her notebook. Except, says the angel, that a wonderful energy follows from the heavenly to the earth. The five called these spirit guides High Masters and gave them names. Amaliel, Ananda, Clemens, Esther, George, and Gregor. In 1904, these High Masters called for a temple to be built filled with paintings that the five would make. Only Aftklent accepted the strange commission and in November of 1906, set to work on what grew over the next 11 years to be a series of 193 paintings. The philosopher and occultist Rudolf Steiner, whose anthropopho- anthropo- p- p- Society she would join, saw the early paintings in the series in 1908, but was uncomprehending. Strikingly, in the next four years, Afklint did little painting, but retreated to the obscure island of Munso and Lake Malarin, near her family's estate, on neighboring Adelso, in part because she was caring for her ailing mother, but also because Steiner's patriarchal dismissing strung. She was treated locally as a crazy witch, says Ryszka locals used to wonder what she did with all the eggs that were delivered to her studio. They were used for her favorite material, tempera, which critics have noted gives her work on paper a luminous quality. In a sense, this retreat from the world was creatively sensible. Surrounded by water and spirits, Afklint worked at the service of her occult beliefs. She had great hopes that Steiner would help her build a temple to house her art on a Swedish island that would glorify his philosophy. In 1932 she wrote to him, Should the paintings which I created between 1902 and 1920, some of which you saw for yourself, be destroyed? Or can one do something with them? It sounds like a threat. Happily, she didn't destroy the work, even though nothing came of her dream temple. Uffklint did sketch out what the temple should look like. It should be made of alabaster and have an astronomical tower with an internal spiral staircase. Poignantly in her film, Drishka juxtaposes this description with images of the Guggenheim in New York, where Afklint's oeuvre was belatedly given the pride of place last year. The skylight and the ramps look like the temple that Hema Afklint died without seeing realized. True, the 1986 touring exhibition The Spiritual in Art, Abstract Paintings 1890-1985 to 1985 Exhibition at LACMA in Los Angeles marked the beginning of F. Clint's international recognition, but it was the Guggenheim exhibition that more than a century after F. Clint arguably invented abstract and painted some of the most beguiling if neglected canvases in art history really got what she deserved. For science historian Ernest Peter Fisher quoted in the film, it is us rather than F. Clint who require reviving. We need her vision in our disenchanted age. We know that the universe is made up of ninety five percent dark matter, but the strange thing is nobody ever gets excited about this. I think our world world has become blurred stupid, dulled, unless someone out there somewhere out there there's a Hilma af Clint painting in it all, so a hundred years we will see what we've missed. In nineteen hundred we still knew how to marvel. Today we sit in front of our iPhones and media and our board. Hilma af Clint's paintings just maybe give us the opportunity to escape the everyday and marvel anew. How y'all think I'm viewing her paintings? Come on.
2: Yeah. <laughs>
3: It's a real boomer, boomer comment Just there,
0: at but, the
2: end know. Apart from the phone's bad at the end there, yeah, I, yeah. Is, is... How do I swipe the art?
0: <laughs> Without the technology that we have We would not be able to make this podcast So obviously We disagree
2: What? So what was Like The thing that I'm, I'm Struggling the most right my head around uh, With regards to abstract art Like the idea that abstract art has a definitive beginning point mm-hmm. strikes me as, like, a wild idea. It's like a categorization of something that cannot be categorized, unless for you the would, sake of categorization, right? Like
1: That's kind of how I view it. It's been many a year since I took an art class, or an art history class, but it basically, in my opinion, it basically comes down to our need to classify everything into, like, a period, or a style, or a genre or a technique but what do i know
2: (laughs) well we know she did it first that's what we know
0: that's all that matters yeah we know that she did it first under the classification by which we are calling them abstract um but obviously there have been so many so many so many documented other works of art that date farther back than we can count that could be considered abstract But that was really Kate interesting. Paintings and Yeah. <laughs> I honestly was thinking you that. Know. Like can- here's
3: the great hunt and here's the biggest animal I've ever killed and here's just how I was feeling that day. That one's <laughs> not really a picture of anything.
0: <laughs> just a squiggle. And that'd be like, I'll oh, yeah. compare. <laughs> that was really interesting. Get, and Kim? I think that you brought something that's like a little bit different from what we usually talk about and I appreciate that i just was really captivated by her story i also think it's very interesting and i want to see some of her paintings where did i put my i don't know i, I wish it... she
2: had gotten her temple with with the angel george
0: yeah i know what about george is doing <laughs> How's he
2: surviving doing? I, he's an angel so in, in theory he's just fine
0: i don't know I'll ask supernatural well, about george that.
1: is George is the angel, and all those like whenever you see somebody does a TikTok where it's like one person pretending to be God and one person pretending to be an angel, and God's like, "Did hey angel, did you tell them to do blank today?" And the angel always has like a hilarious misunderstanding. Mm, is that George? Like, that's got to be George. Okay.
0: So my topic is something that I actually I think everybody has already like heard about briefly. Um, but there was, it was more complicated than I initially thought. And the basic title of it, I actually wrote my own this time. I did not just read an article. Not shitting on you not just reading an article. It's just that for the past <laughs> how many, you've written multiple articles. And I've just been like, mm, I, I brought this. So um, on December 2nd, 2020, YouTube streamer called Stas Reflay, whose real name was Stanislav Roshetnyak? Uh, forces Valentina Valya Grigorieva out out onto his 14th floor balcony in sub-zero temperatures during a YouTube live stream that took place at his apartment outside of Moscow. Uh, she was only wearing her underwear, and he told viewers that he had doused her with cold water. Cold water. After bringing her lifeless body inside and an undetermined amount of time later, he proceeded to stream and talk with his viewers for two more hours with her dead body in view. At some point during no. this time, he called emergency services. A lot of the facts here are very confusing and conflicting depending on where you get the news from. Uh, according to the New York Post, a donator paid him, or I guess a donor. Why would I write donator? Who knows? Um, According to the New York Post, a donor paid him somewhere between $1,000 and $1,300 to do this. Other sources claim that he threw her outside because she stunk due to an intestinal disease that she had. Initial reports all assumed that she had died of hypothermia. However, according to the neighbors, uh, she was not left outside for very long at all. Many have noted that she didn't necessarily even have the telltale signs of hypothermia visible in the video. Uh, Because of this, overdose was suspected instead of hypothermia. Many say she was drunk and alcohol can decrease your core temperature. Stanislav had a history of being absolutely morally bankrupt. I gave myself the displeasure of watching several clips of his, what are called thrash or trash streams, depending on the translation. This is a format in which participants perform tasks for an audience on air for money. Donors often choose the act that will be performed. Valentina was one of these victims more than once, although she also had violent tendencies towards him as well on camera. There were recordings of her pulling a knife on him, as well as burning clothes on their bed. His victims all seem to be homeless, disabled, or female. In the videos, he beats them, pepper sprays them, forces them to drink cooking oil, and in one case I saw, had someone tattoo the names of donors on them. This is how he made his money. Several videos have survived on social networks in which the blogger mocks Valentina. In one of them, he sprays pepper spray in her face. She falls to the floor and screams. He then calmly returns to the computer screen. As you can imagine, he had a truly wonderful audience. Once it was clear (laughs) that Valentina was dead, one of his mods, who uses the handle and told him not to call the authorities and gave him advice on how to cover up her death. One donor sent the lovely message of, fuck her while she's still warm, this will be the best way to say goodbye, along with his donation. As I researched this, the autopsy results did come in. Valentina had a traumatic brain injury along with a subdural hematoma, which is bleeding of the brain, and multiple bruises. According to the Pledge Times, the examination showed that there were traces of methadrone, amphetamine, and cannabis in the blood of the deceased. According to preliminary data, the cause of Grigorieva's death was cardiac arrest from poisoning, and hypothermia was an aggravating factor. Many sources had previously reported that she was pregnant, but this has not been confirmed. Rifle himself also had methadrone and alcohol in his body. On the night of December 2nd, Valentina took part in a thrash stream. According to tellerreport.com, during the stream, reflay and Gregorieva had a falling out, and he interrupted the broadcast and then returned to the network alone. He told his streamers, I had a fight with her before. Bream shocked her. Which, the term Bream, I saw it a bunch of times when I was looking at Russian uh, streamers that do this particular thing, and it seems to mean, like, to beat the shit out of someone, like b r e a m. I don't know. It's new. It's not even on urban <laughs> Urban Dictionary. But I saw several Weird. of them talk use that word. Um, hmm. She he's he said she said uh, Stasian, which is like Jan using is kind of like an affectionate or like familiar. Um, Stasian, I'm cold, brother. Can I go? Uh, can I go back? I say no. Why did I say that? Riefle then asked to inform his mother about what happened in order to say goodbye to her. When asked why he didn't ask a neighbor for help, in the video where he drags her body in and says he doesn't feel a pulse, someone in chat asks him why doesn't he go and seek help from the neighbors, which he replies, they're all at work, what could they do? But clearly someone was home, since at least one person reported to the media and or police that she was, out- she was not outside for a very long time. On December 2nd, he was released after questioning investigators about his girlfriend's death. Um, The Investigative Committee of Russia, the TFR, decided to take the materials of the inspection from the Ministry of Internal Affairs in connection with the death of the young woman. I believe he is currently in custody, but I've had trouble finding exact information on that, and I'll update you guys later to tell you how he fares in Russia's legal system. Uh, unfortunately, he's not the only Russian streamer with these sort of a- antics. Andrey Burham uh, smashed the face of Elena Efremova on stream during a party back in October. She survived, but the images of the aftermath are quite gruesome. Uh, in a, similar, a similar situation happened at the end of last year. Then streamer Andrey Yashin from Chelyabinsk uh, beat his 54-year-old mother with whom he was broadcasting on the air. Okay. Um in order to keep these streams from being blocked or deleted immediately, they often do nothing for many hours, varying the amount of time before beginning to abuse a victim. I have links to more examples that I'll post on the blog if any of you feel like suffering further.
1: <laughs> yikes.
0: Yeah. It's pretty it's gross. A mega yikes. Russian trash streams or thrash streams, whatever you want to call them. It's a whole yeah, thing. Yeah, they sound pretty trash. It's a whole thing. And I watched a lot of them. And the video yeah. of her is, is, is available in certain places.
2: Yeah, I saw the video um, earlier this week, or last week, I guess, when it happened. Um, it was posted to Reddit with the, you know, the post title was just like, Russian streamer with history of abusing girlfriend locks pregnant girl on balcony till she dies and then continues to stream with dead body for two hours um
0: which is kind of true kind of true um
2: but there was a russian in the thread or someone who professed to be russian in the thread who was just like i know these two they do these streams all the time they abuse each other and they're both drug addicts and this is an overdose it's pretty clear read a read an actual article read it
0: um, the problem is that most of those articles are Russian and I actually was able to find some translations, which is why some of the like trash versus thrash and Bream like really totally understand that, but it's what I was able to get my hands on. Well, that's grim. Yeah. You're welcome.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Let's all go to Russia. Yeah. Yeah.
3: No thanks.
0: <laughs> so do you guys have any like my dog's just going to bark. Sorry. The the podcast knows her well. Um Do you guys have any like spooky media or anything that you guys have watched or read lately?
1: Um I finished my annual reread of Night Film, which I oh, like to I read love that book. in the fall. Yeah. So that's that's my that's my spooky thing and I picked up recently haven't started it yet, but I'm really looking forward to reading um, Mexican Gothic. Oh yeah. I'm not sure if you've seen anything about that one, but I just picked it up and I am about to start it, so
2: uh, yeah. I will
1: inform you guys on that one. Mm. Um, we watched a pretty good movie yesterday.
2: Possessor. Possessor. Yeah. It's
1: by Brandon Cronenberg. Brandon
2: Cronenberg, David Cronenberg's son.
3: Oh. I yeah, I heard that was.
1: Yeah, weird. I think we did hear some. I mean, not we didn't hear a lot about it, but I think I've heard that recently well, it only just
2: released i guess on on video yeah because um, i've think been trying to find it for a while i think it premiered in october uh in what two theaters in the world are still operational um <laughs> but it was really really good if you are into weird body horror um technology bad type stuff um cronenbergian stuff you might say
0: yeah <laughs> it was honestly i was like it might be all right but I was impressed by it.
2: I really, really enjoyed it. I like Cronenberg a lot, but um, I, I like the his senior Cronenberg the a lot. I like I now like Brandon Cronenberg a lot as well.
0: Maybe we should watch his, his first full-length film. Yeah. Antiviral. I mean, he doesn't have a large catalog. You should just knock it out. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm trying um, to think if we watched anything else.
2: I don't know. I was reading when we, when we were at the wedding. I was reading uh, The Third Bear... Which is a collection of weird horror short stories by Jeff Vandermeer.
0: Oh yeah, of annihilation fame.
2: Yeah, um, so it is. It is good. It is entertaining. They're on not. They're not connected. Standalone short stories, uh, collected, but not connected. Um, in <laughs> a. An anthology called The Third Bear.
0: Are they all like science fiction or does he do different no, types of No, no, the uh, so
2: the, the Third Bear is a is a fantasy. Um, like a sort of medieval-ish fantasy. It's not there's no science fiction.
0: But it's spooky.
2: To it at all. Yeah, it's weird and it's and horrible and gruesome.
0: Oh, okay. Um, cool. I'm the,
2: there. The the titular story, The Third Bear.
0: The titty story? Um, yeah,
2: the titty story, The Third Bear. Um, <laughs> uh, which is actually like of the short stories of his that I've read I think the third bear is probably my favorite awesome um, so it's a good collection it's, it's creepy and weird because he he kind of specializes in weird yeah if you don't know if you're not familiar with it.
0: oh I also have a podcast recommendation um yeah. I came across this podcast called let's talk about sects like s-e-c-t-s and I immediately shared it with Miranda now we're both listening to it and I think Charles you've listened to some as well
3: yep Oh, well, uh, he's
0: been forced to. Do, do you like it at all, Charles?
3: Yeah, it's good. Mm-hmm. I we, we listen to podcasts as we're going to sleep, um, and that doesn't at all create fucking bizarre uh, <laughs> dreams or um, memories of what happened as you fell asleep. So, um, no, it's been good.
0: Yeah, she's really organized. She has a very pleasant voice. She's Australian. And... Um, she does I think
3: it's funny that she always sort of notes that she's going to have other people's voices so that you aren't listening to hers constantly and I'm like but you're but I love your voice is pleasant
0: (laughs) yeah yeah her voice is really nice so I really enjoy it I don't need a break from it but I do like how she does get voice actors involved because it does make it feel more like an interview um but it's really good it's about cults if you couldn't guess from the title but she does a lot of like really good deep dives into all of these cults that I have never heard of before. Um, a lot of cults, you know, like everybody covers like the the Manson family and and stuff like that. But she's been covering stuff that I literally have not heard of, and I've been reading about this stuff for a really long time. So props to her. What is her name? I should probably. Oh no. She
3: she does a lot of cults that aren't, murdery or, uh, s- sexually exploitative or anything. They're just cults like. Which, Although there is some of that I think. Yeah, it's there, there, there there's there's that in there, but it's not exclusively like the um really dramatic kind of cult stories. There's a lot of just like these guys believe this and they live in this
0: bizarre like weird place alternate in the middle universe. of the woods. Yeah. Yeah. Um yeah, there's a lot of that, but then also like the first two are really harsh. Like if you if you listen to it like from the first episode on like the family one with all the child abuse was like oh and then um the next one was like somehow even worse in some ways uh but yeah. um also they she cover she has a whole episode about om shinrikyo which is mm-hmm. uh something we talked about during our nevada Tana episode uh so if you ever like wondered what that was that she has a really really good episode on it and her name is Sarah Steele and the podcast is Let's Talk About Sects. S-E-C-T-S.
1: I guess while we're at it really quickly I won't super get into it but you reminded me of a podcast I have been meaning to recommend to you and I'll just recommend to the group. Uh, You may have heard of it before it was called it's called Radio Rental. So it's uh, a storytelling podcast that's sort of like hosted uh, so like I guess the loose premise is that you you wander into this weird old VHS rental store and the guy who works there is this weirdo and he gives you some of his special tapes but those tapes are real life people like recounting weird or scary things that have happened to them okay um, but the the host is uh, rain Wilson playing a character oh so it's really good, and it, it's got this, like, really nice, like, his hosting it can give, like, a nice little, like, dark humor to stories that would otherwise be, like, kind of uncomfortable to listen to, although some of them are are scarier than others. Um, there was one that, like, particularly got to me about, like, a a person who had this bizarre child that he kept running to during his in like running into during his childhood mm. um but there's like a one of them is a story of somebody who like they were on a plane while the plane got hijacked oh. and then uh, this other person who like they were someone was gonna like break into their uh ho- home and they like scared the person away and then they like l- later found out that that had been a serial killer and they like were nearly a victim of that person and then they got caught um, but it's, it's really nice. There's a couple of seasons and the seasons are all relatively short. Um, but I don't know if it's ever coming back. Hopefully.
0: but Sounds good.
1: Hopefully, hopefully it will. I would, I really would recommend it. Uh, it's, the episodes are like kind of, they're not short, but they're not like super long either. Mm. So they're nice. Like they're a good size chunk mm-hmm. to fill in your, if you're me, your walk to work kind of thing. Yeah. My commute to school.
0: Well, that sounds good, and I will definitely check it out. Um, I wanted to thank you both, our special guests, for coming on the podcast today. We hope to have more of you in the future.
2: Yeah, no worries. Yep, it was fun.
0: can't always be be about hockey.
2: I'm pretty sure I can always make it about hockey.
3: (laughs) Yeah, there's no shortage of uh, stories about hockey violence.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but is it spooky?
2: Um... Sometimes.
0: Don't get into it yet. Yeah. Okay. There's
2: gritty. Well, if you're yeah, gritty's God. pretty fucking spooky, If man. you
0: want to listen to more <laughs> of Justin's hockey violence, then I'll make it a priority. Just let us know. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you guys for uh, still hanging in with us and listening. Um, right now, I think our, our previous sponsors still stand, but we're, we're going to have to organize that. But in the meantime, just, like, maybe check out our website or give us a review on iTunes. Our website is... 13club, com, And also, we have a bunch of designs for merch on Redbubble, which, if you just search, go to redbubble.com and search the 13
1: Club, we will come up. And the link is on our website as well. Yeah. Uh, all, you can also find all our social media there. Basically, yeah. that's the hub you want to go to. hmm.
0: hmm.
1: All right, guys. Uh,
0: I always want to say something like, Creep it real, but then I'm like, don't do that, ever. We you
3: you just did. It's too late. <laughs>
0: yeah, it's in there. I can edit it out still. No, it's on wax. No, <laughs> no. All right, guys. Uh, what what's good to be back? Somebody somebody say something like that. Let's come up with a good one on the fly. Uh, no.
2: Welcome back, my, y'all. My brain.
0: <laughs> that, that's that's not you. All right. Thanks for for keeping it spooky all year round. Sorry we missed Halloween. We will see you very, or we will talk at you very soon.
1: Bye, guys. Bye. Bye.